Hello and welcome to another podcast brought to you by Life Community Church, Leamington Spa. Recorded at one of our Sunday morning services, we hope this message inspires, equips and encourages you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. How are we all doing? We okay? Fantastic. Right, I'm just going to shift a few things around and not spill water. There we go. Fantastic. Great. Well, good morning. My name's Chris, uh, as you probably just heard. Uh, I'm part of the staff here at Life Community Church, and every single time I get the opportunity to speak, I always say it's such a privilege. And really, I'm going to say it again, because it is such a privilege to be able to be here and to speak and to share the Word of God with you guys. I, I, I don't take it lightly, the opportunity, the incredible responsibility that, that these guys, the leadership put on me, that God's given me. Um, six years ago, I'll just share this just briefly. Six years ago, I was a teenager, about 18, 19 years old. No intentions on going to university at all. I was just going to get a normal job. I was just going to live a normal life. And something happened. God got a hold of me in that time, and he, he took me on a path that was so completely different to what I'd normally follow, the sort of path that you can't really plan, and uh, I don't really know where it's going, I'm not, I'm not there yet, I've not completed it, uh, but I'm on that path now, and I'm loving every single moment of it, so yeah, it's a huge, huge privilege to be here today, and to be able to share with you guys. So today I get to bring the final message in our October series, which is Shine Like Stars. We've been looking at the book of Philippians, and we've been asking throughout this question, throughout this series, we've been asking this question, how, as citizens of heaven, should we live our lives in this world? How, as citizens of heaven, should we live our lives in this world? How can we make a difference? How does our faith affect the way that we live. So as already been said today, I'm looking at the final chapter, the chapter four in the book of Philippians. We've gone through it chapter by chapter with Dave kicking off with chapter one. I did series two and then Pete did series three and now I'm bringing series four once again. So we've been following out throughout the whole book and we've been picking up on certain themes throughout this. And today I'm hanging our main message on this one word, joy. Joy. Now, I don't know about any of you guys, but I'm, I'm not naturally an outgoing kind of person. When, when someone says, oh, you're looking joyful this morning, Chris, I'm like, really? Really? I've got a deep joy, you know, so, so deep that sometimes you, you can't always see it. <laughs> but I, I just want to kick things off now, and I just want to get you guys just working together, chatting just a little bit. I've got a whiteboard, and anyone who's heard me speaking here before knows that when I've got a whiteboard... We're going to be doing a bit of talking. So fantastic. I want, to, I want to break you guys down into just some little groups. And I want to ask this question, want you guys to answer this question. What is joy? What does joy look like? How do we see joy? How do we experience joy? What is joy? So I'm just going to give you a few moments. And in your groups that you're sat in, maybe you rose or maybe you want to turn around and chat with people. Just chat amongst yourselves. What is joy? And I'm going to get you to feedback and I'm going to write a few down in just a few moments. Go. Okay, I hope we've got some good conversations going. Keep going for just a little bit longer. All 
Okay, let's bring it all back together now then. Let's bring it back together. And uh, I want to just collect a few of our thoughts then. So let's go for someone from the, the back quarter over there. Yeah, Mark, what, what is joy? Yeah? New job, happiness. I hope you can read my handwriting because I can't. Exam. Brilliant. Thanks, Mark. Jude. Say that again, sorry, mate. Joy stays with you for no reason. Okay. For no reason. Brilliant. Okay, let's go for someone from down here, this front quarter now. Any hands? Any hands? Any takers? Steve, I'm going to nominate you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's not circumstantial. Not circumstantial. Ooh, I don't know if I can spell that. Sure. We'll say that's what it says. Not circumstantial. Brilliant. Yes, great. And a couple more from over here. Let's. Yeah. What's joy? When you're in, in a jolly good mood. Very good. When in a jolly good mood. One too many O's there. Brilliant. And one more. Let's go from the back. Richard. Very good. Very good. Okay. Assurance of eternity. And you said inner contentment. Very good. Brilliant. There we go. Okay. So that's just a few... Just a few thoughts, but I'll move on from there now. I'm sure you guys uh, had lots more to say, and uh, I'm going to be looking at uh, exactly that same question, what is joy? Brilliant. So joy, it's quite a simple thing, really, just a three-letter word, it closely linked with happiness. As we've looked at, we feel happy when we get a new job. It, it is happiness. Fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. And, and on, a, on a scientific level, it's just chemicals in our brain that mix and match and create this feeling that we have. So what does joy look like then? Well, I've got these two pictures that are going to come up now. There we go. Fantastic. What does joy look like? Now, don't worry, I did get specific permission to show the baby. <laughs> so these two pictures pretty much, to me, sum up what joy it looks like. The first picture on the left is my goddaughter. This is Heidi. Heidi Gibson. And she was born, oh gosh, <laughs> January, February, late January, early February this year. And uh, I, I love this picture simply because there's actually nothing going on there. She's just sat on my lap there and I just took a picture of her. She absolutely loves the camera. It's brilliant. I love, absolutely love that picture. Really, really simple. Joy doesn't require necessary situations, non-circumstantial, as Anne said there. Fantastic. The next one. 
is a picture of my dog. I don't know if you can see the dog. It's only a tiny little thing on, on the beach there with my dad. So a couple of weeks ago, I took a weekend away and went up to Scotland. And on one of the days, we uh, had a, just a bit of a drive around on the, uh, the southwestern coast around Dumfries and Galloway area. And we, we stopped off and we found this one little beach and nearly got stuck in sinking sand, which was always fun. <laughs> but as we were walking around, the dog just went absolutely mad. She'd been stuck in the van with us, and when we're driving, she's not allowed to sit on our laps at all, so she was sat in the passenger seat, and then uh, sat just, and then she, um, when we let her out, she went absolutely nuts, and it's like that every single morning. So we'll come down in the morning, first person has to let her out to go to the the bathroom, well, not the bathroom, has to take her for a walk, and I don't know what it is, but she just knows straight away, it's time to go, time to go. And funnily enough, we can take her for a walk, and then my dad will come down, it's time to go, straight away. She knows his footfalls sounds, she knows his figure, his shape, she's going blind. So I doubt actually she can even see much of us, but she knows the difference between myself and my dad. And it's all different, it all changes when my dad gets the opportunity to take her out. All we have to do is say with one word, well, we just have to say that, well, or Shall we? Something like that, and bang, ears are up, gone, absolutely nuts. So we're not allowed to say those words at all at home. Makes for an awkward conversation at times. So these two pictures, as I say, these sum up to me what joy looks like. I'm going to be uh, reading in a moment from uh, the book of Philippians. So if you have your Bibles with you, why don't you turn to Philippians chapter 4. But don't worry, it'll also be on the screen. Let me try and find it now. Close. We've got Colossians. Ephesians. There we go. I knew it was in here somewhere. Brilliant. Well, uh, as I say, we've been looking throughout the book of Philippians over this last month, and I'm going to pick us up now with Philippians chapter 4. It says this from verse 1 Therefore, my brothers and sisters, now, I don't know about you, I'm just going to make a little bit of a tangent here, but when I was learning to read the Bible, when I was in very early discipleship classes, they always said, if you see a therefore, always question what it's there for. So I'd encourage you guys, as you're, as you're reading this, go back, read chapter 3, as Pete set his homework for last week, read chapter 3. So, therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, my beloved. I urge you, Odia and Syntyche, to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, my loyal companions, help these women, for they have struggled beside me in the work of the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honourable, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing these things that you have learned and received, and heard, and seen 
in me. And the presence of, and the God of peace will be with you. And we'll leave it there for now. It goes on just as uh, Paul goes on to say goodbye to, as he signs off the letter, as he finishes it off and is saying thanks and goodbye to, to his friends. So as Pete was saying last week in chapter 3, it starts with, finally brothers, rejoice. Chapter 3 starts with, finally brothers, rejoice. But it seems that Paul is writing his final thoughts with that. Chapter 3, finally, and then it goes on to say chapter 4. Paul keeps on going. You know why? Because joy has a hold of Paul at this point. Joy cannot encapsulate, joy does not end our situations that we're in. Paul struggles, it seems, to say goodbye. Does anyone here know anyone like that? Paul urges the original reader rejoice in all situations. A couple of weeks ago, David mentioned that a couple of the, uh, that Paul writes, sorry, to address the issue of disunity within the church. We just read it there, Euodia and Syntyche. They've been in some sort of argument. And it's important, it's clearly important. Paul is writing to the church and... Now, it's important to stress that letters were the primary form of communication in these times. We didn't have MSN. Oh, gosh, I'm showing my age now. We didn't have MSN. We didn't have Facebook. We didn't have emails. In the first century uh, common era, there were no royal mail, even. Someone had to physically carry this letter from where you're writing it here and carry it over to Philippi. They had to keep fairly small what they were saying. So if they were saying something in the letter, it's fairly important. It's a big issue to Paul. And here he's picking up Syntyche and Euodia. They're living in disunity. They're arguing. And Paul's writing to say, hey, 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 stop. Church, get around them. Get together. Build them up. It's important to when we're rejoicing that we have unity in the house. So I'm going to keep coming back to this one question. What is joy? On the one level, as I've already said, it's the science, it's the chemicals, it's a reaction, a shift in our brain that triggers our, our, our thought process from one thing to the another. Paul writes to the Philippians, rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. And then Paul begins to explain what I think is one of the most fundamental ways and methods that we can find joy. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What do we need in order to find joy? We need to give over our everything to God. We need to realise that we can't do this life on our own. We can't do everything on our own. Now, I struggle with that myself. I'm, I'm a doer. I like to be busy. I like to be hands-on with things. Well, let's not knock that over. <laughs> I like to be busy with everything. If there's a problem, if there's a challenge, you know, I want to get involved with it. I want to find out what's happening. I want to find out the root cause, and I want to fix it, and then I want to see it work out like that. But sometimes I can't do it. And it hurts when I have to go, Dave, it's broken, or I've broken it, or I can't do it. 
I don't like it. Or going to my other bosses in my other job or in the past when I've had other jobs in the factory even. I used to work in a factory. When you make a mistake there, it, it's, it, yeah, it's pretty serious. Uh, and uh, yeah, you have, to, you have to go, oh, I, I, I messed up. Sorry. And you have to give it over to the person who actually knows what's going on, really. We have to admit, in order to find joy, that we can't do everything. We need God. What is joy? Joy is a heart abandoned. It's pride disowned. Joy is a total loss of self-value, consumed by the presence and the purpose of a God who is above all. Now you might want to come back to me and say, Chris, that's not very practical. How can I live that out? What does that even mean? I have responsibilities. I have commitments. I have concerns. I have a family to look after. And you're right, absolutely. Absolutely right to question that. But today, I want to tell you, why don't you try it? Why don't you try it? When you feel a little concern, when you feel a niggle, when you feel a worry coming on, you say, hang on. God, I need you. I can't do this on my own. God, I need you. I don't know what situations you are facing today. I don't know what you're fighting. I don't know what battles are raging around you. But I do know that if you give it over to God, if you stop fighting and hand the reins over to him, then it works out. It works out. And I know that sounds cheesy. And I know that sounds cliche. And I can only stand here and say that to you today because I have travelled that path. It's hard. It really is. But I want to challenge you. Just try it. And it can just start with a, a simple prayer. Help me. Help me. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus tells us not to worry. He says, don't worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, or, what you're, or don't worry about your body and what you will wear. It is, more, is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing. Look to the birds in the air. They neither, reap nor, uh, sorry, neither sow nor reap, nor gather in the barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. What does that mean? It means this, simple. Don't worry. God's got it. He's got your back. He's looking after it. He's got your concerns wrapped up. Coming back to Philippians, Paul instructs us to fix our minds. Rather than worry about life and the challenges that we face, fix our minds on the things of God. Verse 8 says this, Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honourable, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me and the God of peace will be with you. Don't worry about the situations. Don't worry about the concerns you have in your life. But think about the goodness of God. Focus your mind on what God has done. In Philippians chapter 2, as I was speaking just a couple of weeks ago, chapter five, uh, verse 5 says this, Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. The same mind. It then goes on to explain what that mindset in Jesus looked like. One commentator, as I said a couple of weeks ago, it changes this to say, cultivate the mindset of Jesus 
in your communities. Live out Jesus' thought process. Think like Jesus. Don't think like yourself. Think like Jesus. When I first read that passage, I thought it was being ridiculously optimistic. The pragmatist in me rallied against it. But the more I practiced what I'd learned, the more I practiced the presence of God, I learned that actually it's, intensely, it's an intensely practical guide to giving your concerns over to God. It can be hard, yes, I know. Many of you here will also know. It's hard work. But let's follow that. That is an intensely practical guide. How do I stop myself getting worried? I look back and I see the wonders and the works that God has done in my life. I'm beginning to uh, bring this to a bit of a close now. but uh, I can remember this one time in my third year in Bible college. <laughs> I, was, I was told that the fees for college, the costs of it, were going up. It's like, yes, fantastic, I've got to pay more money. Oh, I love it. And then I was told my student, give, my student funds were not going to meet that. My student finance wasn't going to rise up to meet the costs. So in order to graduate, now this is halfway through my third and final year, I was told that in order to graduate, I needed to find another £800. Yes, I love a good challenge like that. And straight away I could feel the dread begin to come into my heart and the worry and the concern. Well, I've got four months, four months to find £800. I've not got a job. I've not got any sort of income. All right, how's this going to work then? So I started looking at uh, the price of my car. How much could I sell that for? I was woefully disappointed with that. <laughs> woefully. It didn't even reach £100. <laughs> and uh, I really began to worry. As I said, I'm naturally, I'm more of a cynical sort of person. So before I even thought of everything I'd just spent three years learning about, I jumped to worry, I jumped to concern, I jumped to fear. And one of my friends, he was my mentor from my church back up north, he, he, he notices this in me, he notices my character, my personality began to shift. I began to react and respond slightly differently and he comes up beside me and just goes, in, in a way that only mentors can do really, he goes, mate, mate, what are you worrying about? In the last few years, he says, he'd seen me face so many challenges, very much of the same sort of thing, very much of the same sort of situations. Now, I should explain, before I went to university, I was a volunteer for two years. I volunteered in the church, no pay at all, doing youth and schools work. So, uh, coming out of university after th for three years of that, I'd uh, had no income for two years. I had nothing when I went there. He says, mate, what are you worrying about? You know, and we've prayed together for, over challenges that you've faced in the past, and God's provided. He, said that, he pointed out and reminded me that in the last five years, God has given me, or he was saying it to me, to me so God has given you two different cars at different times. Now, don't let that make you think about my driving skills. I didn't crash or write any of them off, don't worry. One of them was a company car, which was given to us as a, as a team, and the other one was given to me personally. In the last five years, God has given you two cars. He's given you an amazing church family, and he's never let you down. Why on earth do you think he's going to start letting you down now? What on earth makes you think 
that you're at the end of the journey now? Why now, at the end of this part of the journey, are you beginning to doubt him? And I realised exactly that. (laughs) You're right, Steve. He was called Steve. You're right, Steve. I, I remembered God had never let me down in the past. He'd done all of this. And if I just looked back, I began to feel this faith well up inside me. Yes, I've got this overburdening 800 pounds that I have to raise. And my car's only worth, I think it was 70-something pounds. And uh, Concern, concern, worry. But I began to feel this faith rising up inside me. And you know, you know what? God's got this. God's going God's gonna to do this. He's got it. He's got my back. I graduated. I graduated. God provided through a simple method... And now I've got that, that principle that I've, I've, I'm going through that journey even now. But every time I begin to feel the worry and the doubt, I just look back. I see that God has been faithful. And that gives me the faith to move on. Just as I begin to bring this to land, I want to spend just a few moments reminding us of everything that we've looked at over this last month. We've been asking ourselves throughout October this one question, how, as citizens of heaven, should we be living in this world? If our behaviour shouldn't conform to the world around us, how then should we act when we face adversity and challenge? In the first week, Dave challenged us that there is a price to progress. Paul was writing that there was a price in order for us to progress in our journeys. Paul was aware and willing to pay the price. I wonder, what's God saying to you today? What are you willing to sacrifice to break through into the new things I have for you today? What are you willing to give up? In the second week, I was sharing about Philippians chapter 2 and the challenge to cultivate the mindset of Jesus, to think like him, to prefer others and to giving ourselves to the plans and purposes of God. After all, they are higher than all worldly authorities. Pete then went on to share about humility and how we need to regard ourselves less and forget everything that builds us up. And whilst Pete was sharing, I, had, I was reminded of this one message that I heard, the, the catchphrase of it, humility. It's not thinking, of us, thinking less of ourselves, it's thinking of ourselves less. It's just a really, really simple, just play on words, but I find they, they help me. And Paul tells us that he regards everything from his previous life, everything. He was the perfect Jewish person, but he regards that all now as loss. What do we need to change in our lives to reflect a better attitude, a more pleasing attitude to God? And finally, this overarching message of this series is simply this. Do not worry, rejoice. We are set apart and we are called to live to a higher purpose. When trials come and the troubles begin to brew, or when our life is going great even, rejoice. Because we know that there is a day to come. As it says in chapter 2, we know that there is a day to come that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let's pray. We hope that you enjoyed this message. For many more resources and for more information, visit our website at www.life-cc.org.